of your goodness and of your grace. Remind us of the incredible, awesome wonder of your love. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. It is uh, crazy that I get to be up here uh, this Christmas, uh, 2015, and talk to you about Christmas. It's crazy because for the first 19 years of my life, I didn't believe in the Christmas story. I didn't care about the Christmas story. I didn't want to be bothered with the Christmas story. I just wanted to enjoy Christmas. You know, the food. For me back then, it was the cookies. I became addicted to those little white pecan sandies when I was six months old. <laughs> the music, uh, the emotion. There's a lot of emotion this time of year. Uh, the decorations, the, the, the presents. My parents were divorced. So my grandparents and my parents overcompensated with a lot of presents, a lot of trips. But when I look back on those first 19 years of my life, those first, if you will, 19 Christmases, I realized I was sort of like an impolite guest at a lavish banquet. I enjoyed the meal. I completely ignored the host. Totally ignored Jesus Christ. Totally. The years went by, and by the time I was in college, it began to catch up with me. One Christmas break, went out, got arrested, ended up in jail. I was moving towards the dark side of the force. <laughs> what was going on inside me doing, during those years, especially late high school and, and those college years, is that I had persuaded myself that there was no such thing as absolute truth. Uh, no such thing. And so all that really mattered was me doing whatever I wanted to do. Now, I didn't realize that that assertion that there's no such thing as absolute truth is in itself a claim of absolute truth. I mean, I'm from Indiana. We didn't know that back then in Indiana. I didn't understand that it is no more narrow, it is, now follow me, it is no more outrageous to claim that the Christ of Christmas is fully God and the only way to heaven than it is to claim that all religions are equal or that all religions are wrong because there is no God. All of those are claims of absolute truth, truth claims. Atheism, relativism, is just as much a claim of absolute truth as Christianity. And I didn't understand that. And frankly, in those years, I really didn't care. My life was all about me. And I didn't realize it at the time, but I was intellectually inconsistent, and I was swimming in a mud puddle. Now here I am standing before you years later, and I've been at this long enough to know that there are some of you tonight that are here that are or this afternoon, and you're just like me. Along the way, you, you forgot the Christmas story. You've left Jesus behind. 
Uh, you're kind of like a, a, a toddler on, on Christmas that gets so caught up in the box that he or she completely ignores the gift inside. And along the way, you've just gotten busy and you're functionally ignoring Jesus. Well, tonight, in the few minutes we have together this Christmas Eve 2015, I want to help you recover Jesus. I want to help you see Jesus. And to do that, I want to give you the three M's of Christmas, the mystery, the miracle, and the mission. Mystery, miracle, and mission. In other words, the who, the how, and the why. Let's start with the mystery. What is the mystery of Christmas? Well, the mystery is that the eternal God would become a human being, a Jewish baby at Christmas. Uh, we call it uh, the incarnation. Now, that's a fancy term. Incarnation is a fancy term for Jesus taking on human flesh, becoming fully human while remaining fully God. I want you to see a couple passages this evening. Let's start with uh, the Gospel of John. I want you to see how John famously expresses this. John chapter 1, verse 14. He writes, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, when John begins the word, that's a reference in the context to Jesus. He is telling us that the word, that is, Jesus became flesh. This is the mystery of all mysteries. There is none greater. Uh, this Christmas story, uh, conceptually, or let me say it this way, conceptually it would be easier to fit all of Lake Michigan into a single bottle of water than it would be for what is infinite to become finite. For God to become fully human while remaining fully divine. Conceptually impossible. This is why, parenthetically, that throughout Jesus' earthly ministry, as Jesus would repeatedly claim to be God, do miracles that evidenced his deity, uh, most of the people around him didn't get it, didn't understand it, couldn't comprehend it. It's beyond our understanding. And though many of those that did hear what he was saying and it did register with them were infuriated by it and eventually they crucified him for it. God becoming a man, a, a mystery beyond comprehension. And so as I said just this last Sunday, when it comes to Jesus Christ, you and I, we only have three options. Either Jesus was a liar, either Jesus was a lunatic, or Jesus is in fact Lord. Now when I realized that the incarnation of Jesus Christ, I mean Jesus full-on God, full-on man, was both a mystery and true at the same time. It changed my life. I mean completely and totally changed my life forever. The second M uh, of Christmas is miracle, the miracle of the virgin birth. Uh, this tells us how this happens, how deity and humanity 
can come together and unite in one person. Now let's go from the Gospel of John to the Gospel of Jude. Luke, look at what the angel says here in Luke. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And so Mary is asking a question here that we would all ask, how can this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. For nothing, nothing, nothing is impossible with God. Now because Jesus is God, he must be born of God. Because Jesus is a man, he must be born of a human. Think about the alternative for just a moment. On the one hand, if Jesus, let's say, had been made human in heaven and then sent to earth without a human parent, it would be really hard for us to understand how Jesus was fully human. But if on the other hand, Jesus was born of two human parents two human parents, and received his deity, say at, I'm mean, pick it, say at his baptism. Then it would be hard for us to see how Jesus was fully divine, fully God. So the virgin birth accomplishes both. Full on deity, full on humanity. It's called the miracle of Christmas. Now, frankly, none of this uh, should surprise us because from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, uh, the Bible tells us that God is a miracle-working God who regularly, uh, supernaturally intervenes in human history. And if I had the time uh, this afternoon to, to tell you a few stories of how God is working miraculously around the world, uh, let's say in the Muslim world, among radical Muslims, who are having dreams and visions of Jesus. Jesus is appearing to them, and they are leaving Islam, and they are converting to Christianity, and we have some of them in our church. Or if I could tell you some stories of very specific answers to prayer that are taking place right here, right now, uh, you, you wouldn't be able to explain them away. The Christmas story, according to the Bible, uh, links both mystery and miracle inseparably. God is a big God. God can do anything he wants. Everything else is focusing on the box and missing the gift inside. Focusing on the celebration, missing the story. Focusing on the event, missing Jesus. The third M is the mission, uh, the mission of Christmas. Uh, it, it gets at this question, why in the world would Jesus Christ, the Son of God, leave the splendor of heaven and come to earth? And the answer, Jesus himself tells us, is to seek and save the lost. Look at how Matthew puts it in Matthew chapter 1. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him a dream and said, Joseph... 
son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. And here we go, because he will save his people from their sins. What the angel is saying, or what the angel is implying, is that Jesus was born to die. To die on the cross in our place for our sins. So that when we believe in Jesus and receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, God gives us forgiveness, God forgives us, and gives us the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So when the angel here is saying, uh, Jesus will save his people, save us from uh, our sins, what the angel is saying is uh, Jesus will become empty so we can become full. Jesus will become poor so we can become rich. Jesus will leave his home in heaven and become functionally homeless on earth so that we can have an eternal home with God forever in heaven. The angel is saying, Jesus will die so we can live. The tragic gap uh, between a holy God and sinful humanity had to be bridged. And there was only one way. Jesus had to come, live a perfect life, and then bear the punishment for our rebellion and our sin by enduring on the cross the unthinkable, the rejection and the wrath of his Father. So Christmas leads to Good Friday, to, to Jesus at the end of his earthly life hanging on the cross and saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That moment on the cross is the epicenter of the Christmas story. Jesus was temporarily abandoned by God so that all who believe would be forever accepted as children of God. In other words, when the angel says Jesus will save his people from his sins, uh, the angel is saying, you and I are so sinful, Christ had to die for us. But we are so loved that Jesus Christ was glad to die for us. But I don't know, maybe you're here tonight and you're like I, I used to be. So uh, uh, what you're thinking is, you know, I'm not very religious. I, I'm not at all sure what I think about Jesus. Um, but if push comes to shove, you would, you would probably say, you know, but... I, I'm a decent person. I'm a fairly good person. I don't do this. I, you know, I don't do this. I haven't committed murder. So I'll be okay. I just had a family member tell me that in the last couple of weeks. Now imagine a poor widow with an only son. She teaches uh, this son as she raises him to be honest, to be hardworking, to help the poor. 
And even though she's very poor, she scrapes enough money together to get him just barely through college. And when he graduates from college, he lands a fantastic job. And he hardly ever speaks to his mother again. Every year or two, he sends her an email. Uh, but he never visits her. He never answers her telephone calls. Never. He doesn't want to uh, talk to her. He doesn't much think about her. He's busy. He, he, he's got a great job. Every Christmas, she writes him a beautiful Christmas letter telling him how much she loves him. And he never responds. But he's honest, he's hardworking, he's charitable. Now, would any of you want to argue that that's acceptable? Would any one of you want to argue and say by living a good life, he's living a good life, but neglecting a relationship with the very one to whom he owes everything, that he's doing something commendable? No, it's condemnable. In the same way, if God who created us, if God who who sent his son uh, to die for us is real, then we owe him everything. And if we do not live for him, if we do not worship him, but we live a good life, it's not enough. It's not enough. You see, the quality of your life is not, is not the issue. Uh, the issue is you have been created to live for God, to love God, to worship God from the heart. And, and because of your sin and, and my sin, we stand guilty before God and separated from God. So the angel says to Joseph, God is sending Jesus to save his people from their sins, from this separation. And so Jesus will say later in John chapter 14, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one, no one comes to the Father but through me, except through me. And so you're, you're going to celebrate Christmas. But let me ask you a question. Will you worship Jesus? Will you focus on the box or the gift? The celebration or the story? If you've never done so, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus this December 2015. Say yes to him and receive him as your Lord and Savior. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we are forgetful people, uh, busy people. And we would ask, God, that by your grace, you would remind us of what is first, what is most important, that you would remind us of Jesus, that we would see him, that we would hear from him, that we would understand the story behind Christmas. Christmas. 